Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Book Journeys Radio. I am super excited to have here with us today Lisa Gibson. Lisa, say hello. Hi, how are you? Hi. Um, So, this is a really exciting um, episode for me. I, um, every week on Book Journeys Radio, what we do is we talk to authors about their experience writing a book for the first time. And um, we focus on nonfiction books. Lisa's book, though, is um, very, very personal, very emotional to me. Lisa and I are actually in a... um, we are in a mastermind group together, and we have something else in common, um, which is some of you may remember the Lockerbie bombing on um, Pan Am 103 back in December of 1998. And uh, both Lisa and I lost people very close to us on that, on that flight. And Lisa's book, which is called Life and Death, A Journey from Terrorism to Triumph, is, uh, is about that experience, at least in part. Right, Lisa? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of my, uh, at the time it was about a 17-year journey of uh, trying to figure out how to respond to that tragedy of losing my brother in that crash. So it was, yeah, it was kind of a memoir sort of showing people what I've walked through and hoping encouraging others who face similar tragedies in their life. Yeah, so um, as, as we're talking today, you can check out conflictcoach.biz and learn more more about Lisa and her book, Life and Death. Um but I think I think it's appropriate for us to talk a little bit because obviously you and I know more about Pan Am 103 than a lot of people. Want you want to tell tell the story of of Pan Am 103 from your experience and how that uh, informed your decision to write this book. Well, in 1988, uh, over 260 people lost their lives in the the Lockerbie terrorist attack. It happened in Scotland and. It was the single worst terrorist attack against Americans prior to 9-11. So for me, it, it began this this journey of trying to figure out how to deal with things like terrorism. And so my book really chronicles the loss of my brother, and he was two years older than me at the time. He <clears throat> was away. How old serving. was he? He was actually 20 years old. That's so I think Trisha was as well. Uh, my uh, friend who died on that was uh, Trisha Poyle, who was a um, – the abroad from Syracuse University. Yeah, that was the largest uh, age group was in the 20s. So it was really in many ways just a horrific loss of um, such early, um, early young you know lives that were just beginning. And so for me, I was 18, so I was also fairly young and trying to figure out how how do I respond in a situation like this. And so the book kind of chronicles my own journey of trying to figure out how to not let something like this destroy me, but to try to find a way to overcome evil with good. I think what people don't know, Lisa, is when we went through this, which was in 1988 when we started going through this, um, I actually remember um, the word sabotage. I don't remember the word terrorism. I remember that night watching CNN and sabotage was the word over and over again. And I didn't know why someone was sabotaging a plane, I didn't know exactly what sabotage meant, but I definitely didn't know about, you know, Al-Qaeda or Osama bin Laden or how it could possibly connect into Libya or, you know, a lot of things we have learned about how the world works, not just us now, but 
but it, the conversation went from our group of Can-Am family survivors to really the whole world now. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, um, in the early 80s, there was hijackings and things like that, but there weren't these kinds of um, terrorist acts. It was kind of the first of, of this kind. And so it was kind of a wake-up call, especially to us as Americans, that we we are um, that we, we realize we're not safe. And most of the people that were on that plane were Americans. That plane was actually bound for the U.S. And so it was, for me, it became this um, unfortunate reality of the 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 wickedness that exists in, in, in parts of the world and, and so I had to make a choice at at that time. And you and and, and our, our stories occurred here a little bit because I think at some point for you you connected spiritually. You for you this became a journey to you became a Christian or you cemented your connection with Jesus in some way through this experience? Well I was already a Christian. I mean for me it was um I was 18, so I was just coming into my own understanding of who I'm going to be and the life I'm going to live. But I think what for me, I made an intellectual decision, first of all, as a Christian, I'm supposed to forgive. So I decided I was going to to forgive before I was really even feeling it. And then began the process of trying to walk that out. That is not a small decision. No, 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 and it wasn't. And I, and I of course, my my book chronicles the despair and the grief and all of the pain I had to walk through to get to this point. So it is. It is truly uh, the book is a spiritual journey as well as a sort of um, an advocacy message that I'm trying to communicate to the world. So it's it's yeah, it's very. Uh, I think as you see and read the book, you'll understand the, the 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 process that I'm going through trying to figure out how do I respond in this. When. Uh, you talked about your message there, and I'm wondering when you started writing your book, did you did you know what your mes- what your message was? A, and then B, what is your message? If you were going to boil that down to uh, you know a sentence or two, what's the message? For me, the the book came many years after having walked through it, and I, I actually had to spend some time going back and really remembering a lot of what had happened because it was, as I mentioned, 17 years later that I actually sat down and started to write it, and I realized that there were so many things that I learned throughout the process that could be helpful to other people. That's why I chose to write the book. But if you were to sort of encapsulate my own personal message in one sentence, it would be that ultimately at the heart of terrorism is hate and fear, and the only way to effectively fight it is to walk in the opposite spirit of love and forgiveness. And it, so it's this idea of Love triumphing over evil. Wow. 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 I, you know, I think that is so powerful. And here's the thing that is really, really important, I think, for people to understand is people come to me as a book coach, and they will ask me at some point during our time working together some version of this question, who am I to write this book? even if they went through something as significant as what you went through, or sometimes it's just that they, you know, maybe they've struggled with money and they have a desire to write a book about, you know, money management, and they're like, yeah, but there's so many money coaches, and why aren't people reading Susie Orman? Why do they need to read me? Whatever their dialogue is in their head about their message. And I think what's so powerful about this, this experience that you've had writing this book is getting really clear on your message. The story is going to be different for everyone. Obviously, not everybody had a you know lost a brother on on Pan Am 103, 
But that message could be told in so many ways. So many people could write that. Nobody could write it from your experience. Nobody can have taken the journey, the, you know, 18-year journey that you took, or 20 years probably. I think you published it for the 20th anniversary, so that was uh, yeah. that was last year, right, about a year ago? Um, actually, it was uh, in two, well, it was 2008 was the anniversary, the 20th anniversary. So, yeah, we just yeah. had the 24th anniversary. That's crazy. It's crazy how much time has passed. I can't believe it. But I will say for me, and this is, you know, this is just us talking about, for me, um, I made a decision that that night and that year after Trisha was killed that um, that I would live a very different kind of life than I thought I was going to live. And for me, it's been a very long journey to make that promise that I made to myself come true. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I think an event like this, obviously you'd never, never wish it on anyone, but it can really be a catalyst not only for changing yourself but for changing the world. So I, I think it's just a really powerful message. It's a so wake-up call in many ways. The life is yeah, precious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that's that's what happened to me. So I actually have a, um, a one-woman show that I am doing um, that is uh, comes out of my experience. It's a, a cabaret show that I am doing on my 40th birthday, coming up on March 30th, and uh, and it starts and ends with Locker Bay because really so much mm-hmm. so much of my life woke up on that on that night. So, um, but getting back to your book, um, I want to talk about, um, I'm guessing that at some point you knew you wanted to write a book about this in part, um, but there's a lot of people that have something like this they want to write about, but there's a process between deciding you're going to write it and then actually writing it. I know for you, um, part of your process was was a program you participated in. So can you talk about how it went from the abstract idea to, to the kind of concrete manuscript? Yeah, I mean, I really had absolutely no idea how to write a book when I started out. And I, I took a course that was the best $100 I ever spent that tra- taught me a methodology of how to, to use a focus group to help uh, really brainstorm your outline and then from there create questions that, that ended up creating the outline to structure to follow. And for me as a linear person, that was perfect. I just needed a system to follow. And I just basically answered questions uh, and then ended up taking those and turning those questions into uh, more of a dialogue. And because it was a memoir, there's a lot of dialogue that I had to add into it and, and those kinds of things. So it was uh, it did take some time to, to sort of integrate the two, but the system really worked well for me and I, I was able to get it done very quickly. I think probably by the time from I started was about three months to finish it. But I was on a so mission. I'm going to get this thing done. before that three-month period, because there's a lot of people listening who will, uh, will be in this position, before that three-month period, how long had you been thinking, talking, telling people you were going to write a book, tossing the idea around? How, how long had it been in your head that you wanted to write a book? I think a couple years, really. Yeah. It was sort of first posed to me. Someone said, you need to write a book. And at first, people kept telling me I needed to write a book. I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And then I made a, I made a conscious decision I will do it. But then I had to figure out actually how to to, to walk it out. And so that's where the, the journey really began. Exactly. So I teach in my free or inner author program. I teach a system. Um, I, I, the one 
have here with using a focus group and questions sounds fantastic. Um, my process is a little different, but I think the key here is having a process because it doesn't make you, you know, not smart or not a good writer or not an author or somebody without an idea just because you don't have a process. I think once you find a process that works for you, the next thing I like to talk to is writer's block. And I think the biggest mistake that first-time authors make is they start by writing, maybe because they feel like they're a good writer, maybe because they have journals that they want to start, you know, transcribing and putting into something. I've had so many authors come to me that have started by writing without a process, and then it fizzles out, and they feel frustrated, and it creates this negative loop. So when I asked you, had you experienced writer's block, one of the things you were able to point to to me is that you went back to this methodology. You went back to a system that you had. And so um, did, did you bump into writer's block in those three months, or did, did the book kind of flow? It really it really flowed very well. And, and the other uh, sort of thing that I Im- implemented that helped a lot was to write in 10-minute uh, incremental, uh, increments. So I would write for 10 minutes, take a break, get up, go do something, come back, write for 10 minutes. So then I was, you know, giving myself a little break because I was writing something deeply emotional too, so I had to have time mm-hmm. to process through things as well. So it worked really well for me. Beautiful, beautiful. I think that's just a great example of how people can get wrapped around the axle and writer's block can really shut down a process because it creates that negative feedback. And when you have a system and when you have some tools like, you know, write for 10 minutes and then take a break that you know work for you and your style, uh, you can kind of avoid some of that some of that pain that people go through as writers. So what else came up for you um, that was a challenge that you had to overcome um, once you decided to write a book to get it finished? What were some of the challenges that you faced? One of the first things probably was, you know, I wrote the book before I had a publisher. I didn't, you know, I didn't know what I know now about actually finding a publisher before you write it. And so it was for me more of this exercise of getting this out on paper. Now, then I was like, okay, now what I do with, now what do I do with this book? And so then I had to begin the publishing process and uh, trying to find a publisher and all of that. And that was a whole other learning level. So if I had known before what I know now, I probably would have done it a little bit differently. All right, well, tell our listeners, how would you do it differently? Because this is what they need to hear. Well, I think the first thing was um, I would definitely have, I would have focused very clearly on developing a platform before I started to even get the book out there. And that would have, because, but I wasn't thinking beyond, the book was a memoir. I was writing a book, but now it's become so much more. It's developed into a business. And so I would have de- developed a platform. I would have already started to develop relationships with people and hopefully found a publisher before I wrote it because I probably would have written it a little differently if I'd done that in advance. But sometimes you don't have that option. I mean, I ended up getting a contract with a publisher and then waited two years in the interim, got it uh, self-published, and then during that whole time, the publisher went out of business. So it was just oh. a lot of things that I didn't know uh, that I wish I would have known in advance and um, probably would have helped. So what do you recommend to people that are thinking about writing a book right now? Would you tell them immediately go and find a publisher? What would be, when you say, I wish I established a platform, I don't know if people know what that means. So what would you have done right now if it was 2007 or six when you started your process? Thankfully, I had a pretty compelling story. I had walked through many high-level things. I'd been on CNN. I'd met Gaddafi. A lot of very high-level things made me sort of have a compelling story to a publishing market. But 
but I didn't have I didn't know how to communicate those kinds of things effectively. And a memoir is a hard sell to publishers because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't read memoirs. I mean, they just they don't. You write them like a fiction book, and they're sometimes hard to sell. And so, I would have written it a little differently, probably, and, and probably marketed it a little differently as well, rather than just expecting the book to sort of sell itself, um, which of course didn't happen. So that's been the, the, the probably the biggest learning curve. Yeah. And so something uh so something inexperienced you had, like, you know, being on CNN or um or meeting Qaddafi, how could you use something like that to establish a platform? What would you have done? Is it does that do you mean setting up a web page? What what is that what steps do you think people Yeah, I think through? it was leveraging uh, the the influence from that. Like, I, I was able to get, you know, when I was on CNN, they actually did mention my book on the byline, which was nice, uh, and those kinds of things. But I didn't do any follow-up, like, after the fact, like, immediately trying to, to go out and sort of expand on the exposure. I just kind of rode the the media exposure that I have, but I didn't capitalize on that I'm an expert now on this as well as I probably yeah. could have. And well, I, think I, I now love that. I'm, I want to stop there for one second because you said this amazing <laughs> sentence that I sometimes will spend hours with my clients getting them to say, which is, I'm an expert on this. How Was that hard for you? How long did it take you to say, I'm an expert? And what what would you say you're an expert on? Terrorism? What are you an expert on? I'm now I've uh I struggled for a while to figure out what I was an expert on. So I was an expert on terrorism, I was an expert on uh how to forgive. Uh but now I really have kind of encapsulated it down to being an expert on conflict, uh, resolving conflict. And so that's really what my book has taken me into now is a business doing conflict resolution and training all over the world, including countries like Libya and Afghanistan, Sudan and Iraq. So yeah, that's kind of what I learned. That's what I'm an expert on. My own journey and my own authentic story gives me an insight that others don't have to speak into people's lives in those areas where I normally wouldn't have had the credibility to do that. And I love working with people who are making a difference in the world. And I feel like, you know, it's hard for people to sometimes claim that expert status, but I think once you do, the difference that you can make in the world grows dramatically. Have you found that to be true in your life? Absolutely. I think that the, we forget that our stories are really what gives us the the expertise as well as what we know we've learned in the process that kind of sets us aside or sets us apart from other people who maybe are doing similar kinds of things. And, you know, it's it's finding the niche that you fit into and using that story. And claiming and it. It, it, yeah. you, know, you can find it, but you also have to be able to claim it. And I hear in you such a, um, you know, such a, a confidence that you are an expert in conflict resolution. And your story is part of that. And it's not, um, there's not another class you have to take. There's not another certification you need. Not that you might not get those things because they're, you know, interesting and helpful, but what makes you an expert isn't just the, you know, the left brain book learning, that it's, it happens in your heart. Absolutely. And, and for me, I think my choice to respond the way I did in this tragedy has given me 
the ability to speak into the lives of people in conflict-ridden countries in a way that I would not be able to do if I had not chosen to walk down this path. And so in hindsight, as I look back, I go, thank God I chose to walk this way. I never would have seen and been able to be a part of the things that I've been a part of because of my decision back then. Wow. So tell me, what is the single best thing that's come out of having your book? Well, there's so many. I've had, I mean, one of them was actually I got to speak to a crowd of about 100,000 people in Libya during the Libyan Revolution in Freedom Square on the day that the International Court issued the arrest warrant for Gaddafi. And that was an incredibly moving experience for me personally to take my own tragedy and this desire to overcome evil with good and serve other people who are suffering at the hands of the very person who who took my brother's life. And that was one that just will forever be burned into my consciousness. And then there's also the real practical things. Like today, I just signed a contract with an agent. And so I'm, you know, now moving forward and publishing more and more books. So, yeah, there's oh, so many things. Congratulations. That That's a Thank great you. One. Thank you. So it's just, yeah, there's all kinds of uh, really incredible things that have happened. Amazing. What um, what advice would you give to somebody um, who wants to write a book right now, but they are they're stuck getting the story out of them. They know they've been through something powerful. They know they can make a difference with their story, but they're having trouble getting it out. What would you say they should do, like, this afternoon? I would say find either an accountability person or um, uh, some group. Like, with me, the focus group is really was the best thing I could have ever done because that helped me think through how to write the book to, to the audience that I was writing to. And sometimes what gets us stuck is we, we know so much, but we don't know how to – we want to put it all in one book. And so having other people mm. see that and say, no, focus on this. Focus on this for this book. And for me that's been very helpful is to, to sort of boil it down to, okay, who's my audience and what do they need to hear in this book for it to be meaningful to them? And I use a focus group yeah. to help with that process. Love that. I think that's great. And I will say, um, you know, 200 pages sounds like a lot of pages. You know, 150, 200 pages, 250 pages sounds like a lot. But really, you have to tell one story. And mm-hmm. it's easy to have, you know, five or six or seven different things that you want to do. Um, but really being able to focus on one makes it a better experience for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. What else? What else since your book has come out uh, has been different than you expected? Something maybe that was uh, harder than you expected or, or different in some way that you think somebody who's going into writing a book should know? Harder than expected. I mean, there's a lot of the things that have, have come from this I, I didn't know about. So for me, I've learned as I've, I've gone about it. And so I didn't have any uh, any preconceived notion other than I didn't really realize I was going to have to be the one to sell the book. <laughs> so probably the okay, biggest aha for about me is I got a rude awakening for a lot of people. I mean, you and I both have Steve Harrison as our amazing coach, and he teach he taught us everything we need to know about how to get publicity and to do marketing. And so for me, that was probably the the biggest aha is like, wow, I'm the one that has to sell this book. <laughs> okay, I got to learn how to do this because I know a lot about a lot of things, but that's something I don't know anything about. So hiring a good coach to teach me how to to do it right. And thankfully, I've been uh, blessed to get a, a lot of publicity and I'm still learning the marketing thing as I continue forward. So it's been, yeah, a big aha moment for me. Yeah, I think that um, 
how have you – was marketing something that was easy for you? Was that something you were comfortable with, or is that something you've had to uh, become comfortable with? Yeah, I'm an attorney by training, so for me it was a little bit of a, a stretch to move, partly because initially I was marketing my own story. So I, you, know, you had to get beyond this idea that you're engaged in shameless self-promotion when you're out there marketing your own book. And so I had to make a little bit of a, a leap to it's really not me that I'm marketing, it's the message. And the message is the, is the message that the world needs to hear, and I would be doing a disservice if I didn't do everything I could to get it into the hands of as many people as possible. And so for me, that was the, the ideological shift that I had to go through. And then I had to, to get the skills I needed to do that. So for me, marketing is about advocacy. It's a message that I'm communicating to the world and trying to get into the hands of as many people as possible. Yeah, that shift um, – Talk to me a little bit about, was that an easy shift for you to make? Was that like somebody told you that once and you're like, good, totally got it. Now I'm just going to be marketing the message and I don't feel like I'm shamelessly promoting myself. Or No, I think it, was... it, it, it did take a little bit of time. It did take some time and I had to keep hearing it again and again. To, because part of it was, is if it was just some other product, I would have felt more comfortable with it. But then I just had to really embrace the idea. And this part of how I was encouraged in this, as I would share my story, people would say, Lisa, you have a compelling story that the world needs to hear. And so as people reaffirmed that in me, I'd say, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm marketing the message. And I guess there was one day I just remember it, made, it just finally clicked, and I was like, okay, you're right. So I need to do everything I can to make this possible. And that, And that's really the direction I've been running ever since is just – trying to get the the word out to the world and using every method of publicity and marketing I can to make that happen. And in the process, the books sell. Mm. So what changed for you internally when you made that, when you made that choice? Did something, was there a shift in you? Did you take different action once that clicked for you? Yeah, I think it, it's it's giving myself permission to to do this and to to be able to explain to people maybe the naysayers who who maybe think you shouldn't do this or that it's inappropriate to do this or or whatever, having an answer to them of why it's necessary. And when I I mean to me that the affirmations have come from the people that have been encouraged by the story. I mean probably the biggest affirmation was when I met with Gaddafi, the story went around the world. It was on CNN, and then it went to every other major news outlet all over the world. And I get emails from people all over the world. And so then I realized, okay, <laughs> there's a need for this message, and uh, so I need to do everything I can to, to continue to take it to to not only the U.S., but to other countries as well. Fantastic. Well, we've only got about a minute left, and I don't normally do this at the end, but I feel really compelled to um, – we've, we've talked a lot about your process, writing a book, writing a memoir, how that's different, how it's different to sell that. Um, but I just want to take a minute. Can you tell us a little more about your brother and his name and just tell us a little bit about his his experience? Yeah, my brother, uh, Ken, uh, Ken Gibson, was actually serving in the, the Army in Germany when he was on his way home for Christmas, and like all the other people were – were killed on that uh, bombing, and he was, you know, he and I had the typical uh, brother-sister relationship. He was my big brother, and in many ways, we hadn't really been in communication for two years because he'd been away serving, so it was 
you know, short conversations, but I was really looking forward to seeing him. And so in many ways, it was a real loss. But uh, I think the thing that compels me and encourages me more to keep doing what I do is that I believe that he would ultimately be proud of the the direction that, that I've chosen to go because this is probably the path he would have taken as well. And wow. so that encourages me. Well, I just really, yeah, I want to honor that. Ken was your brother. And um, and even though he hasn't been here, he has definitely made a difference in the world, and his message is is traveling through you, and obviously helping people all around the world still. So I just really wanna really wanna honor that and honor you, and thank you for sharing your experience as a memoirist and as an as an author today. So thanks, Lisa. Thank you so much, Angela. Okay, hope to see you soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.